0: Number 38. Sharafuddin al I have no power save to knock at thy door. And if I be turned away, at what door shall I knock? In full abandon, I put my trust in thee. Stretching out my hands to thee, a pleading beggar. Imam Shafi, Munajat Sheikh Sharafuddin ad was a perfect knower in the Divine Presence. He was the key to the most inaccessible Divine Knowledge. He was a true scholar, decorated with the lights of the Divine Attributes. He was supported by true faith. He was a warrior in the way of God, Almighty and Exalted. He was the voice for Divine Presence in his time. He was the sheikh of sheikhs in Islamic knowledge. He was the authority for the most specialized, the most precise and the most difficult matters in every area of knowledge. He was an ocean of knowledge, a whirlwind of spirituality, a waterfall of inspirations, a volcano of divine love, a whirlpool of attraction, ...a rainbow of divine attributes. He was overflowing with knowledge like the Nile when it floods. He was the carrier of the secret of the Sultan al-Zikr... ...which no one had carried before his time. He was the master of wisdom in the beginning of the 20th century... ...and its reviver. He was a genius in the science of the divine law a scholar in the knowledge of jurisprudence and a narrator of traditions. Hundreds of scholars used to attend his lectures. He was the mufti of his time. He was also one of the finest calligraphers to copy the Quran. He was the advisor to Sultan Abdul Hamid. He held the position of Sheikh-ul-Islam, the highest religious authority in the Ottoman Empire. He was respected even by the government of the new Turkish regime at the time of Ataturk. Sheikh Sharafuddin and his Khalif Sheikh Abdullah were the only two sheikhs allowed to wear their turbans in the entire secular Turkish Republic established by Ataturk. Others were imprisoned for wearing the head covering of the Prophet. Practicing Islam in its outward forms was utterly banned. Sheikh Sharafuddin used to reach a stage of vision in which he would be dressed with the manifestation of Divine Majesty. At that time, no one could look into his eyes. If anyone did, he would faint or be powerfully attracted to him. For this reason, when he entered that state, he would cover his eyes with a veil. He was light-skinned, his eyes were blue and his beard was black. In his old age, his beard was very white like cotton. He was born with open eyes and an open heart. He was a knower whose face shone like a diamond and whose heart was transparent like a crystal. Sufism was his house, his nest, his heart. Islam was his body, his faith, his belief. Reality was his path, his way, and his destiny. The Divine Presence was his cave, his refuge. Spirituality was his vessel. He was the tongue of his people, the people of Dagestan. He was born in Kikunu, in the district of Khanib, in the state of Timur Hansuru, in Dagestan, on the 3rd of Dulkhidah, a Wednesday, 1292 Hijra, December the 1st, 1875, current era. Sheikh Abu Muhammad al-Madani was his uncle and father-in-law. He gave him the power of the six Sufi orders long before his own death. He bequeathed to him all his disciples while he was still living. Sheikh Abu Muhammad al-Madani used to accept the opinion of Sheikh Sharafuddin in all matters. He was born at a very difficult time a time in which religion was banned and spirituality had all but disappeared. Nonetheless, his mother said, While I was giving birth, he was speaking, reciting, La ilaha illallah. Every time I nursed him, he used to say, Allah, Allah. He was so famous for this miracle during his infancy that every woman in his district used to come to see him reciting the name of God while nursing. The index finger of his right hand was always extended in the position of the affirmation of the divine unity. From his childhood, he could hear the trees reciting zikr, the stones reciting zikr, the animals reciting zikr, the birds reciting zikr, the mountains reciting zikr. He was raised very well by his parents and he was under the supervision of his uncle. His supplication was always accepted. He was always in an inner state of seclusion. He started attending the gatherings of Abu Ahmad al-Sukhuri when he was five years old. He was very intelligent and he was immediately able to grasp the Sufi teachings that Abu Ahmad al-Sukhuri delivered from the Divine Presence. At the age of six years, he told his mother, "'Give me the newborn calf of that ox when it is born.' She said, "'If it is female, I will keep it, "'and if it is male, I will give it to you.' He said, "'Do not bother yourself, my mother, "'because that ox is going to give birth to a male.' She said, "'How do you know that?' He said, "'I can see what is in her womb.' An hour later, the ox gave birth to a male calf. He took the baby ox and sold it and bought a male and a female sheep, intending to bring them to Sheikh Abu Ahmad al as a gift. On his way to the Sheikh, the two sheep escaped from him. He continued on to his Sheikh's home and sat next to him, feeling sadness in his heart because he had lost the sheep. The sheikh asked him, "'What's the matter?' He said, "'I had two sheep I was bringing for you, but they escaped.' A short time later a shepherd appeared and said, "'I found these two sheep among my lambs. "'They were the two sheep that had escaped from him. "'When he was young, he used to go with his friends to collect wood. "'He did not cut the wood from the trees like his friends.' but would only collect dry wood from the ground. This made his father very upset with him. He went to Sheikh Abu Ahmed al Sohuri and complained that the boy was only collecting dry and useless wood. Sheikh Abu Ahmed al Sohuri told him, Why do you not ask him why he does that? The young Sharafuddin said, How can I cut... The green tree, when it is reciting zikr of La Ilaha illallah I prefer to collect the dead branches and not to burn the branches that are reciting zikr. He left Afghanistan as a result of the incessant incursions of the Russian military against the villages of his district. He moved with his family and his sister's family to Turkey. They walked overland for a period of five months through the worst of the winter season. They would walk during the night and hide during the day. They went first to Bursa and then they moved to Yalova on the Marmara Sea about 150 kilometers from Istanbul. There he established himself with his family and relatives in the village of Rashadia where his uncle had recently settled, having carried the Naqshbandi order from Dagestan to Turkey. In Dagestan, he had been trained under Sheikh Abu Ahmad al who gave him the Naqshbandi order when he was very young. In Rashadia, Turkey, he was trained further by Abu Muhammad al-Madani, his uncle and future father-in-law, whom he helped in establishing a school and building the village's first mosques and Khanika. His uncle welcomed all immigrants escaping from the tyranny of the imperialist and ruthless Russian rule. In addition, many students came to his uncle's school from all parts of Turkey. They quickly built new homes in Rashadia, and the surrounding area between Bursa and Yalova. In addition to the Naqshbandi, his uncle connected him to the five other Sufi orders he was carrying, Khadri, Rafai, Shazali, Chishti and Khalwati. He became a master in all six of these orders at the age of 27. He was highly respected in Rashadia, especially after he had married the daughter of Sheikh Muhammad al-Madani. He was known as a person of miraculous powers among his people. Stories of his wonders began to spread throughout Turkey. In addition, he was so renowned for his knowledge of the externals of religion that many great scholars came to hear him discourse. He had undergone several seclusions while in Dagestan, the longest for three years. He secluded himself in the mountains of Rashadia for up to six months on the order of Sheikh Abu Muhammad al-Madani. He was always in a state of seclusion in the crowd. One day, during a six-month seclusion, as he was standing about to go into prostration, he found a large snake in his place of prostration, poised to bite him. He said to himself, "'I do not fear anyone but God,' and he placed his head down directly on the head of that snake. Immediately the snake disappeared. During that seclusion, many states of divine love appeared to him. As soon as he emerged from the seclusion his sheikh withdrew from guiding people and gave all the responsibility of directing and guiding people to Sheikh Sharafuddin. Sheikh Abu Muhammad used to sit in the company of his son-in-law as his disciple. He was the first sheikh to become a disciple of his disciple. Out of obedience to his sheikh's insistence that he sit in the highest chair, Sheikh Sharafuddin would then be the one to dispense the teachings of the Golden Chain even in his Sheikh's presence. Sheikh Sharafuddin was supported spiritually by the power of Sheikh Jamaluddin al-Khumuki al-Husseini and Sheikh Abu Ahmad al-Sukhuri, his Sheikh as a young child in Dagestan. He attained the state of pure love for God. In that state, he felt as though his body was on fire with the love of the Divine Presence. He would run out from his seclusion, take off all his clothes, and dive into the ice-cold water of the river during winter. Whenever he did that, all the villagers could hear the sound of steam coming from the river, like the sound of hot iron being quenched in water. There were still old disciples of Sheikh Sharafuddin alive in 1994 who remembered hearing the sound of water hissing and steaming from hundreds of yards away. Sheikh Sharafuddin was a spiritual inheritor of the Prophet. Through that spiritual connection he reached the state of perfection. He was a descendant of the family of Miqtad ibn al-Aswad one of the greatest of the companions of the prophet, who was left to represent him whenever the prophet would travel from Medina. He reported 42 traditions, among which is, God's messenger said, On the day of resurrection the sun will come near created beings until it is about a mile from them. Humanity will sweat according to what they have done. The sweat reaches the ankles of some, the knees of others, the waists of others, while some will have their mouths covered by the sweat. And God's messenger pointed his hand at his mouth. Sheikh Sharafuddin had the mark of the hand of the Prophet on his back. He inherited the birthmark from his ancestor Mikdad ibn al Aswad in the place where the Prophet had put his hand on his back and made a supplication for him and his descendants. That mark on the back of Sheikh Sharafuddin always gave out light, just as his face used to shine. He received a secret from the Prophet, the ability to see behind him as clearly as he could see in front of him. His uncle, Sheikh Abu Mohammed al-Madani, bestowed on him the Caliphate successorship, of the Sufi order and leadership of his village. He enlarged the village to take more emigrants, expanding the roads and brought water into the city. He used to welcome every emigrant coming from Russia, offering them whatever they needed in the way of food and shelter and asking nothing in return. As a result, the Dagestani people found a new home in place of the home they had left to the Russians. They found happiness and peace in the new land. The emigrants were especially happy to be in the company of a living sheikh, carrying on the teachings which had flourished in Dagestan as it had flourished in Central Asia hundreds of years earlier. With him in their village, blessed by his presence with the divine bounty pouring from his blessed person, they found the love and happiness which they had lost under the tyranny of Russian soldiers. From his sayings On the Station of the Heart Whoever enters this station will experience and reach the essence of God's name. It is the Sultan of all names because it encompasses all their meanings and to it all attributes return. It is the Word of God that encompasses all these attributes and that is why it is called the Most Majestic Name for He is the Highest and He is the Glorified And he is the greatest. It is impossible through the understanding of the mind to harvest the fruit of these secrets. The human body cannot encompass the realities of the meaning of God. It is impossible for human bodies to reach the hidden kingdom of the unique one. For the people of the essence, there is only wonder and astonishment. Once they enter these stations of hidden knowledge, they are lost, wondering. What then about the people of attributes, those people who are in such high quality that there appears on every one of them an attribute of God, dressing and decorating them? Yet they cannot be decorated by the essence of the name, which encompasses all of the names, except by entering into the hidden secrets of all ninety-nine attributes. At that time they will be allowed to reach a state of unveiling of the light of the name encompassing all names and attributes, the name Allah. If the seeker continues reciting Zikr with the most glorified name, Allah, he will begin to walk in the stages of that dhikr, of which there are seven. Every seeker that continues in doing dhikr of God silently from 5,000 to 48,000 times a day will reach a state of purification in which he becomes impeccable in the dhikr. At that time he will find his heart reciting the name Allah, Allah, without any need to move the tongue. He will build up his internal power by burning up all the filth within, because the fire of the zikr leaves no impurity behind. Nothing will be left except jewels shining with the power of that spirituality. As the zikr enters and strengthens in his heart, he will ascend until he reaches the state in which he perceives the zikr of everything in creation. He will hear everything reciting zikr with him in the manner that Allah destined for it. He hears each of Allah's creations, its own tone and melody distinct from any other. His hearing of one does not affect his hearing of another, but he hears them all simultaneously and distinctly and he is able to differentiate between each different kind of zikr. As the seeker passes through that state increasing ever more in zikr he will see that everyone that God created is reciting the same zikr as himself. At that time he will realize that he has reached the perfect unique oneness Everything is reciting the same zikr and using the same word. Any kind of differences will be erased from his vision, and he will see everyone with him at the same level with the same zikr. This is the state of unification of everyone in the One. Here he will completely root out all forms of hidden polytheism, shirk, and all creation will appear as one in the one. This is the first of seven steps on his journey. From the state of unification he will travel to the state of the essence of unification, in which everyone who was existing will be annihilated, and the oneness of God alone will appear. Then he will travel to the primordial state of perfect simplicity, where he will be able to appear in any image. From there he will travel to the state of the keys of the secrets, known as the state of names, in which the archetypes of the creations are made to appear from the unseen into the world of manifestation. THIS WILL MAKE HIM SWIM IN THE ORBIT OF NAMES AND ATTRIBUTES, AND HE WILL KNOW ALL ITS HIDDEN KNOWLEDGE. FROM THERE HE WILL TRAVEL TO THE STATE OF THE HIDDEN OF THE HIDDEN, THE ESSENCE OF ALL THAT IS HIDDEN. HE WILL KNOW ALL THAT IS HIDDEN THROUGH THE UNIQUE ONENESS OF THE ESSENCE. HE WILL SEE ALL ITS POWERS AND ALL ITS FORMS. From there he travels to the state of the perfect realities of the essence of the names and actions. He will appear in them all, in their atoms and in their totality. He will be dressed with the most glorified name and he will be glorified by being crowned with the state of greatness. Then he travels to the state of God's descent from his glorified state to the states of the worldly heaven. He arrives at that state nearest the worldly station beyond which the reciter of the Zikr has no state to reach through his recitation. Dawn comes to his inner self and the sun of perfection appears through himself and in his body as it had appeared through Zikr in his heart and in his spirit. As a result, when the Son of Perfection appears in his body and his limbs, he will be in the state mentioned in the prophetic tradition, God will be the ears with which he hears, the eyes with which he sees, the tongue with which he talks, the hand with which he grasps, the feet with which he walks. Then he will find himself and declare to himself, I am helpless and abjectly weak, because at this time he understands the divine power. Whenever he was consulted, if he said, do whatever you like, that person would never succeed. But when he said, do this and do that, then that person would succeed. It was said about him that he never liked to mention anything which had passed. He never accepted any backbiting and would banish the backbiter from his gatherings. It was reported that whenever people sat in his association, love for the world would disappear from their hearts. He used to say, Never sit without doing recitation or zikr, because death is following you. He said, The happiest moment for a human being is when he dies, because when he dies, his sins die with him. He said, Every seeker who does not accustom and train himself to fast during the day and wake for worship at night and serve his brothers, will achieve no good in this way. Shah Naqshaban's Disclosure Concerning Sheikh Sharafuddin His successor, our Grand Sheikh, Sheikh Abdullah ad related the following during one of his gatherings. One time, during one of my seclusion's Sheikh Sharafuddin came to me and spoke to me about the greatness and specialties of Shah Nakhshband. He praised him and told me how Shah Nakhshband would intercede on the day of judgment. He said if anyone should look in Shah Nakhshband's eyes he would see them rotating, the white on the black and the black on the white. He aimed to save his spiritual power for the Day of Judgment and not to use it in this life. On the Day of Judgment, he will send light from his right eye which will go out and circle back to his left eye, encircling in the process a vast number of people at the gathering. Whoever is embraced by that light will be saved from hell and will enter paradise. He will fill four paradises with that intercession. As he was describing that great event, I experienced a powerful vision, in which I witnessed the Judgment Day. I saw Shah Nakshabandh sending out the light of his vision, saving people. As I was observing that vision, I felt a great love for Shah Nakshabandh. I ran to him and kissed his hands. Then that vision finished and my sheikh left. I continued my seclusion of that day by reciting Zikr and the Koran and praying. At night, after I had prayed the night prayer, a state of self-effacement came over me which put me in a state of vision. I saw Shah Naqshband enter the room. He said to me, My son, come with me. Then my spirit left my body, and I saw my body motionless below me. I accompanied Shah We travelled through space and time, not by the power of looking and reaching the place looked at, but by using a power in which we would think about a place and we would reach it. For three nights and four days non-stop we continued this mode of travel. It was my custom in my seclusion, when I wanted my daily food and drink, to knock on the floor of my room. Hearing the knocking from downstairs, my wife would bring me my provision. The first day she did not hear any knocking. The second day she again did not hear any knocking. Finally she became so worried she opened the door and found me lying there without movement. She went to Sheikh Sharafuddin and said, ''Come and see your son. He looks like he has died.'' He said to her, ''He is not dead. Go back and do not tell anyone. He will return.'' After three days and four nights of travelling with that tremendous power, Shah stopped. He said, ''Do you know who that is appearing on the horizon?'' Of course, I knew, but out of respect for the master, I said, Oh, my master, you know best. Then, as the person approached and came closer, he said, Now, do you recognize that person? I said, again out of respect, You know better, oh, my sheikh, even though I saw it was my sheikh. He said, That is your sheikh, Sheikh Sharafuddin he said do you know who that creature is behind him pointing to a huge creature bigger than the highest mountain on this earth which he was pulling with a rope out of respect i again said you know best o my sheikh he said he said that is satan and your sheikh is authorized as no other person was authorized before him As every saint is authorized in a specialty, so is your sheikh authorized. His specialty is that in every day and every night, on behalf of every person who has committed sins because of Satan's influence, your sheikh is authorized to purify those people of all their sins, to cast these sins back on Satan and to present all those people to the prophet clean. Then, with his spiritual power, he elevates their hearts, preparing them for salvation, to be within the circle of light which I will spread on Judgment Day. I will fill four paradises by this means. This intercession is the specialty of Sheikh Sharafuddin. In addition, those who have been left out of these four paradises will enter Sheikh Sharafuddin's intercession by permission of the Prophet, who has been given this power by God Almighty. This is the tremendous authority Sheikh Sharafuddin has been given. As he is chaining the neck of Satan, he is limiting the influence of sins on this earth. Then he said, O my son, you are cultivating the love that is in your heart just like the water wheel that irrigates one field but cannot irrigate two fields. The love that you are growing for your sheikh must be for your sheikh. If you split it between two sheikhs, it may be inadequate, just like the water wheel that is not able to adequately irrigate two fields. Do not give your heart freedom to go here and there. That love of yours will reach me, through the golden chain and will continue to the Prophet. Don't split it in half between the two of us. What your Sheikh is doing for the community of Muhammad, for human beings, no one saint has ever been authorized to do before him. Then, Shah Naqshband brought me back, again traveling in that powerful manner, for four days and three nights. I came back to my body again. I felt my soul entering my body and I watched it enter my body piece by piece, cell by cell. Then the vision ceased and I knocked for my wife to bring food and tea to give my body energy. That was Shah Nakshaban's disclosure about Sheikh Sharafuddin. One of Sheikh Sharafuddin's disciples, Eskasi Ali Usta, who was 120 years old in 1994 and lived in Bursa, reported, ''My Sheikh was a wondrous Sheikh. Once, when I was a young man, I was in Istanbul. I had just taken initiation in the order from Sheikh Sharafuddin. I met one of my friends from Dakhistan but he was stubborn and did not believe in Sufism. I thought that I would speak to him and soften his heart and tell him of my Sheikh's miraculous powers. Instead, he was able to convince me and change my beliefs. I put my beads on the wall and stopped reciting Zikr. Almost immediately I was overcome by my desires and twice I committed major sins. After one week, I went to Sarkisi, and I saw the Sheikh on the way. He was also walking in that district, on his way to Rashadia. When I saw him coming from one side, I ran to the other side to try and avoid him. When I hid myself on the other road, I felt a hand on my neck, and the Sheikh was addressing me, ''Where are you going, O Ali?'' I returned with him and on the way I was thinking I cannot hide myself from the sheikh anymore and the sheikh cannot bring me back anymore. We continued until we met someone named Hussein Effendi. The sheikh told me When you first came to me I looked at you and I saw bad character in you. Everyone has good character mixed with bad character. When you took initiation, all the bad actions you had done previously, I changed into good actions, except two, sexual desire and anger. Last week, we removed from you those two bad characteristics, desire and anger. When he mentioned these two things, I knew he had been sitting with me seeing my sexual desire and my anger and I began to cry and cry and cry. As I was crying, Sheikh Sharafuddin began speaking with that person, Hussein, in a language that I had never heard before, even though I was from Dagestan and I know all the languages of my area. Later I found out that Sheikh Sharafuddin was speaking in Syriac, a very rare language. After two hours of crying, he said, Enough crying. God has forgiven you, and the Prophet has forgiven you. I said, Oh, my Sheikh, have you really forgiven me? Has the Prophet forgiven me? Has God forgiven me? Have the open-eyed sheikhs really forgiven me? I thought I was doing something all by myself, but now I have found that all of you are seeing me. He said, O my son, we are servants at the door of the prophet and at the door of God. Whatever we ask of them, they accept as we are in their presence and we are one. I said, As a good gesture from my side since I have been forgiven, what is the proper way to give thanks to God and to honor you and the prophet? By celebrating the prophet's birthday or donating a lamb? or some other charity? He said, What we want from you is only this, that you keep constant in the zikr of the Naqshbandi order. One of Eskisi Ali Usta's friends who had migrated with him from Dagestan had received a letter, while still in Dagestan, from Sheikh Sharafuddin, saying, Leave Dagestan, There is no longer any spirituality there. It is no longer under divine protection because there is too much tyranny. Come here to Turkey and to Rashadia. That man had taken the letter of Sheikh Sharafuddin and put it aside, ignoring it and thinking, How can I leave all my property and all that I have here? Soon... The Russians conquered his town and took everything from him. Then he remembered the letter that the Sheikh had sent. He finally managed to escape to Turkey and to Rashadia. He had lost his family and his property as a result of his delay. One time Sheikh Sharafuddin came to Istanbul. He stayed at the Hotel Masarat. He was asked by a person named Sheikh Zia, How are you going to die? He said, Is that an important question to you, how I am going to die? He said, It came to my heart to ask that question. He said, I will die when we have an invasion from Armenia and there will be a great deal of oppression at that time. Then Sheikh Zia that night made ablution and prayed two cycles and asked God, O God, take away that difficulty from us, the invasion of the Armenians, and spare our beloved Sheikh. The next day Sheikh Sharafuddin said to him, O Sheikh Zia, what have you been doing all night, praying? Your prayer has been accepted. That difficulty has been taken from me but you will suffer instead of me and die as a martyr. Eight years after that incident in the hotel, the Armenians and the Greeks entered Rashadia. Zia Effendi was shot dead, and the prediction of Sheikh Sharafuddin came to pass. Yusuf Effendi, a man who in 1994 was about 100 years old, tells the following story. One time, Sheikh Sharafuddin was jailed in Eskizahir, and I was his guard. In that jail was another great personality, the famous Sheikh, Said Nursi. Sheikh Sharafuddin was jailed along with his khalif, Sheikh Abdullah, and other disciples, and Said Nursi was jailed along with his disciples. When Sayyid Nursi became aware of Sheikh Sharafuddin's imprisonment in the same prison, he sent his disciples to ask him if he needed anything and offered their help. Sheikh Sharafuddin replied, Thank you, but we have nothing and we are in need of nothing. The disciples of Sayyid Nursi kept coming to Sheikh Sharafuddin asking him if he needed anything he would always reply in the negative. One day, Sheikh Sharafuddin told the disciples of Sayyid Nursi to ask their Sheikh, Why are we here? The disciples of Sayyid Nursi went and asked him. He answered, We are here to reach the station of Yusuf, the station of silent choice. After he asked that question and Sheikh Sayyid Nursi gave his reply, That was the end of the discussion. This exchange made me very perplexed and I began to ponder deeply. Then I asked the Sheikh, What is the secret of your being here? Finally, at my insistence, Sheikh Sharafuddin replied, I was sent here to carry the secrets of many people, these people who have been jailed without cause. I am supporting these people. God sent me here because you are all gathered here and it is difficult to gather you all. I am here to say farewell to you because soon we are leaving this world. We are going to deliver to you your secrets. For us, there is no jail. We are always in divine presence and we are never affected by a jail. All of you, after a while, are going to leave but you will meet again when an important person is going to pass away and you will all meet together then. The disciples of Sayyid Nursi heard this as well as the other prisoners and the jailers who were all listening intently. After about three months he was released from the jail. He told Sheikh Adullah, I am going to pass away soon because I spent too much of my power extracting the secrets of Surat al Anam, Quran Surah 6. He wrote his will, assigning Sheikh Abdullah to be his successor on the throne of guidance. Three days before he died, he called Sultan al Maulana Sheikh Abdullah al-Faiz Daghestani and some of his other disciples, and said, For three months I have been diving into the ocean of Suratul Anam to bring out from one of its verses the names of all the saints of the Nakshabandi order, whose number is 7007. Praise belongs to God. I was able to obtain their names with all their titles, and I have recorded them in my private notebook which I am giving to my successor, Sheikh Abdullah. It contains the names of all the different groups of saints who are going to be present in the time of Mahdi. The next day he called his caliph, Sheikh Abdullah al and said, O oh my son, this is my will. I am going to die in two days. On the order of the Prophet Muhammad, I am assigning you as my successor in the Nakshabandi order together with the five other Sufi orders that I have received from my uncle. All the secrets that were given to me and all the powers that were bestowed upon me from my predecessors in the Nakshabandi order and the other five Sufi orders I am bestowing on you. All the disciples to whom you give initiation in the Naqshbandi order are also going to be initiated in the other five orders and to receive their secrets as well. Soon there will be an opening for you to leave Turkey and to move to Damascus. Watch for it and seize that opportunity. Sheikh Abdullah said, He gave me that will. I tried to hide it as I wished to hide myself. He died on the 27th of Jumada al a Sunday, 1355 Hijra, 1936 current era in Rashadia. He was buried in the cemetery in Rashadia on the top of a hill. Until today his mosque and zawiya are still open. Many people go there to visit and obtain his blessings. The same beads that Sheikh Sharafuddin used to conduct the Khatim ul Zikr of the Masters, are still there, hanging on the wall. Our Grand Sheikh, Sheikh Abdullah, the Khalif and successor of Sheikh Sharafuddin, said, When the news of his death was made known, Everyone came to his house to receive his blessings. Even Ataturk, the president of the new Republic of Turkey, sent a delegation out of respect. We washed his body. When we laid him down to wash him, he moved his hands towards his thigh to cup the water that poured off him. All his disciples came and drank from the water of that ritual purification as had been done by Ali with the water used for the washing of the Prophet's blessed body. When every disciple had passed to drink, he moved his hand back to its original place. That was a miracle from his ocean of miracles, and that happened after his death. When we buried him the next day, more than three hundred thousand people came to his funeral. The city could not accommodate that crowd of people. They came from Yalova, Bursa and Istanbul. It was an enormous crowd and a huge mass of sobbing people. Men were crying, women wailed and children were crying as well. May God Almighty raise up his saints in every century. One of his disciples, Yusuf Effendi, said, it is true that we never found ourselves in the same place with all of his disciples. There were too many. But at the time of his death, all the cities of Bursa, Adapazar, Yalova, Istanbul, Eskizahir, Orhangazi, Izmir, heard about his passing and all of the citizens of these towns gathered to recite the funeral prayer for him. Sheikh Sharafuddin has written many books, but they were all lost during the Balkan War. Nevertheless, many manuscripts remain with his family containing the secrets of the Naqshbandi order. The disciples go to them to read these books. He passed his secret to his successor, Sultan al-Awliya Sheikh Abdelal Faiza Dagastani.